Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 15th, and our chapter for today is 1 Timothy chapter 4. Actually, the chapter break should be back at chapter 3 and verse 14. And the reason is the Apostle Paul begins to talk to Timothy about in case he were to be delayed. Here is what Timothy needs to know, and this is why he has written to him. So he's beginning to head toward the second half of the book, and he gets carried away, which who would not, about who Jesus is, about the church of Jesus, and he talks about the mystery, the mysterion of godliness. And then he goes on to talk about that, that God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. This is the great mystery that was hidden in the heart of God until Messiah came, born of a virgin, born God, born man, all God, all man, not half God, half man, but 100% man, 100% God, and all of that was a mystery. It was not understood by the angels. It was not understood by the prophets themselves, and it certainly was not understood by the Jewish people and the world to whom Jesus came. And then he comes to chapter 4. It is just a continuation of what he started in chapter 3 and verse 14. And he says, now then, The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, he's talking about the days before what we call the rapture of the church, some will depart from the faith. Now, the word depart is a compound word, which means away from and to stand and to take a stance. So what that means is that there will be some who will apostatize. They will go away. They look like they were taking a position. It looked like they were standing strong. But come to find out, they will turn away from the faith. And that implies that they never were there really to begin with. Now, that's the whole grammatical structure, and I cannot go into that in this time period But I would love to be able to just share with you for 30 or 40 minutes about apostasy, but I cannot do that in this time frame. But let me just say that these same ones are the ones, notice there's just a comma after faith, that these people will not only depart from the faith, but they will give heed to demonic spirits and teachings that derive from demons. They will be pseudo. They will be liars. They will believe and speak lies. They will be speaking out of both sides of their mouth. That's what the word hypocritic means. It means that you speak with one tongue, one voice to someone. You turn around, you speak with another tongue, another voice to them. And it says they will have their own conscience seared with a hot iron. 
Now, it's interesting because the word sear here is the word cauterize. It's the idea of burning something, scarring something. It is done with heat, with hot iron. And it says, having their own conscience, what that says in the Greek text is that they themselves will allow this searing to go on because they're participating in behaviors that cause that. And then it says they're going to be abstaining from marriage and from foods. In other words, they're going to go back to the elemental elements of trying to work out their salvation and do this and do that. And so all of this doesn't mean that somebody's lost and then saved, from what I can get from this text, that they made a profession. They denied the power of God. They had a form of godliness, but denied the power of it. So they never had the Lord to begin with. We need to be discerning about this. Now, we're not going around checking out people's salvation, but we don't need to be totally shocked when people, for the smallest of reasons, turn on God. Something doesn't work out right, so they turn on God. Something's not realized. An expectation is not met. They're not treated the way that they feel they should be, and all of a sudden they're ready to turn coat and run and say, well, I didn't get what I needed. I didn't get petted as I wanted to. Something didn't go right. God disappointed me. He took someone I loved. He took away something from me. What this amounts to is the same kind of Christianity, false Christianity, as long as really some who are truly saved, but they never grow. And Paul said, you're acting like lost people to the people in Corinth. He said, you're acting like those who are mere men, those who have never understood the Spirit of God and Him living in their life and changing them. So Paul is warning Timothy of this. And the reason was Timothy was very timid and shy, and he was not courageous at times. And Paul had to continually be helping him and encouraging him. And he knew that people are not always going to be what you think they're going to be, and they're not always going to stand when they need to stand. And so he said, Timothy, just be careful about this because people that you think are going to be with you are not always going to be with you. Isn't that amazing that people you think, okay, I'm really, I can build on these people. This is a great, no, no, no. We build our lives around the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of people. Now, we all wish that we'd all be faithful as we should be all the time, but we know that's not a reality. And if you think, okay, well, you know, these people shouldn't be disappointed. Well, you shouldn't be disappointed on things that you're disappointed in either. And so all I'm saying is we need to be long-suffering and patient with one another. I don't always treat people as I ought to. You don't either. And so let's be mindful of that and try to do a better job. But also understand it doesn't matter who you are. The Lord Jesus was perfect. He always said what he should have said just when he should have said it. Always did what he should have done just when he should have done it. And he always did it with the right attitude, with the right tones and expressions. And his face was always just as it should have been. He's perfect. And yet one of his own betrayed him and turned him in when things didn't go like he thought they should be. And so if this happened to the Lord Jesus, of course it's going to happen to us. And the reason is, Paul said, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the concept of these who have gone away from the faith, 
that they are trying to get into keeping rules and regulations as a way to be right with God, as a way to initially be right, to stay right. Listen, folks, we are right with God through trusting in the Lord Jesus and what he has done, what he is doing now, and what he's going to do. And you and I simply repent of our sins. We turn from our old way of life. We embrace the Lord Jesus who first embraced us. It's not that we love God, but he first loved us and gave himself for us. And so this is what Paul is warning Timothy not to be torn up and discouraged and down when people turn their back on the Lord and turn their back on Timothy as a minister of the gospel. And so he said to Timothy in verse 6 of chapter 4, if you instruct the brethren in these things, what? In all the things that he's been talking about, negative and positive, you will be a good diakonoi, a good diakonos, a good deacon, a good minister, a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good teaching which you have carefully followed. You see, good teaching is that which is sound, and it doesn't matter who you're talking to or where you are, you always just tell the truth in love. You don't say what people want to hear. I don't say what people want to hear. I'm not trying to get people to vote for me or like me or to praise me. In reality, the man of God, which Timothy was, needed to preach, teach, and so forth as though he were saying and doing what he did and what he should do to an audience of one, and that is the Lord Jesus, because that's who we're going to rise or fall before. He said, but reject profane and old wives' tales. The word fable is the word muthos or muthoi in the plural. And old wives, that's the old word for just an old woman that is grumpy and grippy and is always cutting things down, people down, is very negative. And this is why I said reject profane and old wives' tales. In other words, well, I do this because, you know, this is what my mama did and this is what I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe and what mama believed. What really matters is what God says. And he said, Timothy, you need to exercise yourself toward godliness. And then he said, bodily exercise profits a little. In other words, there's some good about keeping yourself in shape. But he said, godliness is profitable for all things. In other words, if we're where we need to be with God, then we're going to discipline our body. We're going to take care of our body. All of those, he's not pitting them one against the other. What he's trying to say is that bodily exercise is not bad, but it's not going to bring you the kind of fulfillment that you want or need. No, because that's going to play out one day. But godliness never will, and it profits for all things. Having the promise, look at this, of the life that now is and that which is to come. In other words, bodily exercise is just related to the world as we have it now. But we're going to have brand new bodies when we get to heaven. It's not going to be what you are now. It's what you're going to be there physically. No, you're going to be perfect there. And so that's all he's saying to Timothy here. So don't make more out of that than what it says. And then he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach. That is, we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men 
especially of those who believe. In other words, the Lord Jesus died for all men. Now, you're going to have a lot of people that will tell you that's not the case. Well, you're going to have a hard time with several verses in the scriptures. Many will say, yeah, well, he only died for the elect. He only died for the world of the elect. Well, that's not what it says. It says he died for the whole world. There are passages that would seem to just be that he died for the elect. But you see, you can't just take those passages. You have to take them all. I think Paul pretty well sums it up here. He died for all men, but especially for those. It's going to be efficacious for those who truly repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus. He said, these things command and teach. Now, it's interesting that both of these are commands. He said, I'm telling you, You need to command this and you need to teach this. You need to say this is what you've got to do and then you need to teach them, which has to do with saying something over and over again, sticking with them, helping them to understand it. Teaching is not just giving out knowledge. It is helping people to understand it and live by it. If you're a good teacher, then you're going to stick with people and help them to understand it. You're going to tell them something over and over again. You're not just dispensing knowledge. And then he said, let no man despise your youth. Now, you've got to realize that most people believe, including I believe that, that Timothy was somewhere in his early to mid-40s, and he was still called a youth. This is why it's incredible that we take 16 and 18 and 20-year-olds and less than 25-year-olds and put them in pulpits. Now, the reason I can say this with great authority is I became a pastor when I was 22 years old. Thank God for the generosity and the kindness of the people in my first church. They're some of the dearest friends that I have on earth. But oh my goodness, were they patient with me? They had to be. Why? Because at that age, you think you know more than what you do. You might have a lot of head knowledge, but you just hadn't lived long enough to live these things out. And then there's older men or true elders in the church that are godly or older men, wise. Many of them would take me off to the side and they'd say, now don't let that get you all tore up. Why? Because everything gets you torn up when you are that young. And the same thing's true in your 40s. And so Paul said, don't let any man look down on you, despise you, reject you, but you need to be a tupas, an example, a type to believers in the Word. That is how you study the Word, how you live, how you conduct yourself in the way you love people, in the fullness of the Spirit, in trust, in purity. And he's talking about sexual purity there. And he said, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Those are things we don't even hear much about anymore because it's not always entertaining, and we love to be entertained. And so he said, you need to be reading the Word of God. And he's talking about public, to exhortation. He's talking about public, and to teaching and preaching doctrine. Why? Because this is what started the whole conversation. He said, now, there's going to come a time when people are not going to hear this. They're going to want teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. They're going to have ears that are itching so that somebody can try to scratch where they're itching. And let me just tell you, some people itch in the wrong place, and they don't need to be scratched. And the reason is, is because it's not healthy. It's not godly. And he said, Timothy, listen, you've been given a gift. Don't neglect it. Everybody saw that in you, and we laid hands on you. And he said, meditate on the things that I have talked to you about, not just in this letter, but in years past. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. In other words, you need to keep growing. 
And it doesn't matter what age you are, not just a man in your 40s or your 30s or your 20s. You don't stop growing at 50 or 60 or 70. I've not made it to 70 yet, but I'm close. And I'm saying to you that you never stop growing. The moment you stop growing is the moment you start dying. And so he said, take heed to yourself and to the teaching, the doctrine that you have cut your teeth on, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And I would say a hearty amen to that, simply because we've got to stick with the book. We've got to stay in the Word. We've got to allow the Word of God to permeate us at every level of our being. And when we do that, our ministry will be an example to all. May God richly bless you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.